Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. All right, today we're going to take a look at another uh, report from MJ Business Daily, taking a look at uh, how companies can get the best return on their investment in potential new cannabis marketplaces. We've done some uh, podcasts in the past about expectations uh, across you know, North America, most recently, including Arizona and Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, kind of looking now to see all inclusively where to get the best ROI for potential new cannabis marketplaces to help us do that. Katrina Gogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being on the talking hedge. Thanks, Josh. All right. So the first thing they bring up is that um, first thing they bring up here is ancillary businesses. So um, obviously, if you have to have inventory for picks and shovels, a lot of people say, you know, you want to sell picks and shovels, but that can get expensive, you actually have to buy inventory to sell it. Maybe the best ancillary business is uh, consulting doesn't actually cost you a thing. But regardless of what you're doing, you need to be aware of 280e tax provision that doesn't allow for you to write off labor or anything if you're touching the plant. Um, so whether you're a producer, a processor, or a retailer, that is not ancillary because you can't write off your taxes. So some benefits to the picks and shovel models like writing off taxes. Uh, I agree. Uh, 280E is one of the remaining albatrosses around uh, legalized cannabis along with banking. Um, but the, the textbook example of ancillary business in the cannabis industry is Scott's miracle Grow. Uh, yep, the miracle Grow that you put on your tomatoes and your roses um, is quite frequently used in cannabis. And Scott's miracle Grow just exploded with cannabis legalization. And so if you're an investor and you don't really understand a lot of the market or you're hesitant to get in the cannabis aspect, an ancillary business like Miracle Grow or many, many others, I'm not plugging Scott's Miracle Grow, uh, but uh, many other businesses are the way to get in the cannabis industry, the picks and shovels that you were talking about, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people that want to grow or want to get into the business, but many of them will fail. And so the majority of that money is going to be a back on uh, on the back of those that do fail, right? So a lot of the picks and shovels. Um, medical, you know, just to go on that tangent for a quick second, the warehouses that were providing all of the soil and lights and everything in Seattle basically went away after 2016. They were everywhere. There was several big warehouses selling picks and shovels, but then went medical went away replaced by the dominant rec market here, uh, you saw a lot of those picks and shovel businesses go away. So you got to really kind of pivot to stay relevant. All those folks that had massive amounts of inventory of soil and lighting, they got to either figure out a new market to go to like Oklahoma or whatever. Um, So that is something to think about. Um, Speaking of, you should probably look at and evaluate each market right? Whether it's Oregon that has 3,500 licenses or Oklahoma that has 7,500 licenses, maybe you don't want to look at either of them. (laughs) Maybe you want to look at like a smaller marketplace like New Mexico. Um, You know, we mentioned Pennsylvania having a lot of rural areas. It is the fifth largest population in the U.S., but there's a ton of space in between there, right? So you can't just have like five stores and expect everything to do well. You really need to know your market in each location, 
especially if they have vertical integration. Washington State does not. You can't be a producer, processor, and retailer like you can in Colorado. And we've seen the advantages of that with you know being able to grow your own, having your own SKUs, your own products, your own price control, uh, and all of that. So basically trying to take control of everything you can. Uh, and in order to do that, you need to evaluate and understand each market. Absolutely. This is part of the due diligence before you write a check. Uh, understand whatever market you're getting into. If you're getting into an ancillary market, you're getting into uh, the cannabis market. What state are you in? Are you going to go play in Canada? What are the tax implications of being a U.S. investor in Canada? Uh, make sure you do your due diligence and evaluate every aspect of the market in addition to the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are looking at, um, you know, the Caribbean, Jamaica, for some reason, Bob Marley's from there. And they're like, Oh, let's go to Jamaica. But there, if you take investment from Jamaica, you can't necessarily bring that back into the US. They're on a report, a FinCEN report on blocked countries to invest in uh, individuals. And so it's when if you don't look at Puerto Rico that offers tax advantages that no other state, no other territory offers, but you're just jumping into Bob Marley's backyard, you clearly didn't evaluate each market. I look at everyone who isn't in Puerto. uh, I look at every company in Jamaica as a red flag. You didn't do your due diligence. You didn't look at what you were doing because you could be in Puerto Rico and you're not. And so basically anybody who took that route, I don't think you're going to be in business five years from now because you can't compete against a company who's in uh, Puerto Rico, the most phenomenal tax returns out there. Uh, Regardless of of what you're going to do, cash is king. Um, You can look at at the West Coast and all of the distressed assets, as we're going to call those uh, licenses in Washington that are literally given away for free, a rec shop given away, given back to the state. Hey, I don't want this. Whereas $25 million in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, or, you know, look what's going to happen to New York. It's a $2 billion cost to build out a rec market in New York. So whatever you do, if you're going to go to a new marketplace in the East Coast, you have a lot of cash. Even if you want to go to the West Coast, you're going to need enough to buy those distressed assets to turn them into a, a competing company, something that has a competitive advantage. Um, So regardless of where you go, you need money and you need to know that things are going to change and it's going to cost you way more than you think. Absolutely. Uh, Cash is king on two fronts, Josh. The first, if you're going to invest, you need cash. Uh, You know, please, pretty please, if you are listening to this podcast, do not take out a second mortgage on your home to fund your cannabis investments. Please do not do such a thing. Second of all, um, you can't get a loan in this industry. Uh, We talk about the lack of banking all the time. And if you do not have enough money in your pocket to um, get the venture up and running, uh, you're not going to succeed. So you need to have free cash if you're going to be an investor that you can lose uh, do not use your rent money um, to fund your, uh, your passion in cannabis. And second, if you can go into one of these distressed retailers and plop down uh, a big old stack of hundreds, uh, you get a better, better response. Uh, so cash is king, absolutely. 
Yeah. And, and to the final point, understanding that you have to pivot to stay relevant. Everything is going to change when federal legalization happens. No one really knows what being able to cross the border is going to mean. You're going to have beverage companies popping out of nowhere because now that cost makes sense. So we don't have infused coffee here in, in Seattle for a reason. It's too expensive to manufacture for the local market. They will start doing that once you can cross the border. You better believe beverages are going to blow up. All that $4 billion from Constellation Brands up in Canada, all that R&D is going to hit the market really, really hard. It's going to come out of nowhere. But again, understanding that the market is going to change. If you're in New York, have an exit strategy. If you're in Florida, have an exit strategy, know how to get out because that market is going to be so tight and the margins are going to be thin uh, so fast. Or if you're in Florida, you're going to find out really quick you can't grow <laughs> as well as as inexpensive as other places. And so at some point, it's not going to make sense to grow in that area uh, when you can do it a lot cheaper somewhere else. Canada is already figuring that out. Right, right. Uh, this is an agricultural industry, Josh, and uh, once federal legalization hits, uh, we don't know when that's going to happen, uh, but they're not going to be growing cannabis in Washington anymore. Uh, it's too expensive. It's just too expensive. It, and if you're, if you're a uh, novice in the cannabis industry, uh, just, just use your common sense. Uh, they don't grow bananas in Colorado. They just don't. Um, they grow them somewhere else and ship them and cannabis being an agricultural crop, that is where it will land. It will land in the agricultural centers where they have the resources to grow cannabis. And quite frankly, we've talked about it more than once. That is Central America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if it's coming from the U S it could be Puerto Rico, um, there's islands in the Pacific where, you know, we were hit up one time, it's been a few months now, but I think that they were looking for someone to grow out in the Pacific in the middle of nowhere next to Guam. Uh, and the labor there, I think it was like $1.60 an hour or something ridiculous for the labor to, to grow out there. Now that's going to be for uh, the Southeast uh, Asia market, but I'm just saying in Eventually, labor, like you mentioned, Colombia, Latin America, labor, terroir, quality opportunities are abound. And if you're putting money in now, um, that's insane. Because in case you didn't know, commercial real estate prices are at all-time high, whether you're building, growing, producing, selling, um, those prices are, are going to have to come down. Commercial real estate, uh, with the federal government now getting rid of the eviction um, limitations. Um, that's, that's huge. So I think you're going to see a, a big shift on commercial real estate as some of those collateral back uh, collateralized back securities are defaulting, that's going to trickle down, uh, and you're going to see lower prices. So uh, all in all, just just know that the industry is not going to remain constant. It's going to be very, very uh, dynamic here in a moment, uh, things are going to get choppy, you're going to see massive amounts of consolidation. Um, uh, there was a big merger today too, Katrina, isn't that right? Already in the U.S., we're already seeing that merger capitulation consolidation. Yes, Josh, uh, two of our former uh, pitch deck reviews on this podcast merged. Uh, True Leave and Harvest Health merged today. A uh, huge deal. We'll report on it more later, but um, 
you and I, Josh, have been saying, consolidate, don't reinvent the wheel, buy your way out of the, some of these problems, and True Leave and Harvest Health uh, took our advice, Josh. That's right. Yeah, we'll see if that deal is accretive or dil um, dilutive uh, or creative, whether or not it's good or bad post-merger. We'll take a look at that uh, next week. So come back to the Talking Hedge and get all of that. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Golgowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks again for being back on the Talking Hedge. Thanks, Josh. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.